I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. Why do I always do this? What? You do oh, because I want to say drink beer when we're watching TV, and I want to say watch TV when we're drinking beer. I'm never going to get it right. One day we'll do both. The co-creator can't get it right. <laughs> well, that's Christina, and I am Danielle. Actually, Stina, sorry. Yeah, you're the only one who calls me Christina, and sometimes Dave. You're the only one who calls me Dan, and I'll allow it, so here we are. Thank that's you. friendship. Your your full nickname is Dan Danny Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the full one. I got them all in there. <laughs> well, we are back, and this episode we're picking up where we left off mm-hmm. with Ozark because I needed a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a solid minute. <laughs> I mean, you needed a solid what? Two hours? Oh, I needed. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I never have binged like I binged this show ever like let me tell you that my my laptop was in my hamper and I'm watching this show as I'm walking up and down the stairs doing laundry (laughs) I've never taken it to that level before I bring it in the kitchen I'm watching as I'm making eggs in the morning like I I'm on the toilet I'm watching TV it's on my tub like I committed I was all I was all in the the bird family was with you 24 7 yeah you see my that was a good I should have said that first before I said Ozark because it's the they're all in was like the promos for this that's the season three finale it's called all in yep, called all in yes it is so let's start with, uh, you already know it's available on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go over the awards for 2020? Because you went over 2018 and 2019 yes. last. Okay. Yes. So we're going to do the Emmy nominations for 2020. This was nominated for Best Outstanding Drama. Jason Bateman was nominated for Best Lead Actor. Laura Linney was nominated for Best Lead Actress in a drama series, in Jason Bateman in a drama series. And then Julia Garner, who plays Ruth Langmore, won Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. So she won in 2019 and 2020. So she's a two-time winner. Yeah, she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. She deserves every win. You know, I saw something, it could just be rumors, but I saw something that she might play Madonna in a biopic. I feel like she'd be a really good Madonna. Well, they showed a picture of Madonna with the curly hair, and it was like, oh, this is the obvious choice. How dare you not How dare you not do this? Yeah. No, I think that they could definitely transform her to be Madonna. I'd like to see – this is the first thing I've seen her in, so I'm excited to see her in more things. What? What are you she, laughing at? <laughs> she was in an episode of Girls, arguably my favorite episode of Girls. Uh, what They're, season? Oh, it was the last season. Oh, no. Nowhere near there. Yeah, no. You wouldn't be near there. It was like, um, you know Marnie, the character Marnie? Yes. It was an entire, like, one episode that was just hers. And she's <laughs> with her ex-boyfriend. It's one, arguably one of my favorite 
episodes of Girls and one of my favorite episodes of television. Uh, I don't know. The first season was terrible. For those of you who are new listeners, I hate the show Girls. I enjoyed it for what it was. For what it was. A terrible show. I enjoyed it for the fact that it was a terrible show. This may be spoiling something, but uh, in Schitt's Creek, there's a comment about one of the characters moving to New York, and David Rose goes, just watch girls and do the opposite of that. (laughs) (laughs) So get ready for Schitt's Creek when we eventually do it. I know. That's going to be... I just rewatched the pilot last night and uh like halfway through i was laughing out loud it took me it took me halfway through but i was laughing out loud halfway through such a but good show get all the laughter out of your system now because we are going deep into the drug cartel B- buckle up buttercup time <laughs> time to go to ozark so tensions are high in the casino on water marty and wendy are on a mission to keep up their game their friendship with helen is rocky and ends completely when ben is in town Wendy and Marty versus Helen to gain the approval of the Navarro cartel. Ruth is torn between the birds, Darlene, and herself. Mm, That's actually a great way of putting it. I didn't, it wasn't, I couldn't tell it as a story. I felt like it was just easier to list like each character. Again, yeah, I feel like that's the easiest way to work with the show because every character has some big arc going on and it's just so much to keep track of, especially this season. Oh, yes. So now for the character list, we went over the characters last week. Did you go over Ben, though? So what I decided to do was instead of going through all the characters, I decided to just tack on the characters that were introduced to in season two. Uh, Season three, sorry. Yeah, Um, okay. So first character, Ben Davis, played by Tom Pelpre. This is Wendy's brother who rolls into town, falls in love with Ruth, and ruins everything by constantly making the wrong decisions. Listen, I texted you. Let me pull it up. What did I say? I was like... You're like, this guy can't make an effing decision. Wendy's brother will never do the right thing. I just finished season three, episode eight. And the beginning of episode nine is making me antsy. It's his monologue. He never does the right thing. He has so many chances. I don't know how he's still alive. He's obviously going to die. And if you notice, I could not answer you back after that text message because I was like, well, I can't say anything to her. I knew it was going to. Okay, go ahead. I don't want to. So that's Ben. Um, We are introduced to Agent Maya Miller, played by Jessica Francis Dukes. This is the new FBI agent who is working closely uh, to investigate the Missouri Bell. She's trying to get Marty to take a deal to serve 18 months in prison and then become an FBI agent, basically finding people who are like him. Meanwhile, he is trying to have her work slash cooperate with the cartel in order to keep himself alive. So that's that situation. We finally get to meet the big boss, Omar Navarro, played by Felix Solis. Uh, Wendy pitches the idea of buying a new casino behind Marty's back so Omar can invest his money in legitimate businesses in case the Civil War cartel going on in Mexico ends badly and his kids can have an actual, like, legitimate inheritance. Two other characters, we have Frank Cosgrove, played by John Bedford Lloyd. He's the head of the the Kansas City mob who the birds partner with at the end of season two, thanks to Buddy. They make deliveries for the birds. It's some real Irishman type shit. Uh, (laughs) 
Um, his son is Frank Jr., played by Joseph Sikora. He and Ruth hate each other, and their rivalry causes a lot of problems. Major damage. <laughs> uh, I can't even talk about it without talking about the ending. All right, so let's talk about this climax. I'm going to keep it brief because, again, there's a lot that happens at the end, so I kind of want to... All right, I did the the end. The very like, end? The end, yeah. But okay. I can add to it, depending on where you... We'll work, right, toge- we'll work together on this. So, Ben, who suffers from bipolar disorder goes to Helen's house and threatens her and tells her daughter exactly what her mother does, and he is completely on the outs with Marty and Wendy. At this track for just a moment. Yes. Okay, I just want to go over the fact that at this point, Ben is introduced to us as running from a warrant that's out for his arrest. Yes. That's throwing throwing children's phones into wood chippers. Right. Then he ruins their event. Yes. He punches Marty in the face. Yes. He's arrested. He gets hospitalized in an institution. He gets broken out of said hospital where he could have been safe. He doesn't get broken out, but Ruth goes to Darlene and she pulls the strings that she has over their sheriff. And he's released. So not really broken out technically, but... I'm I'm talking about all the things that put him in danger. Okay. All right. he could have been he could have been put in prison or he could have been killed by the cartel at that point. They hospitalize him. He's safe there. They bust him out mm-hmm. legally. Legally. Oh, in the middle of all this, he refuses to take his meds. Yes. He goes to Darlene's house. He's told not to leave. He leaves. He goes to the casino. Frank spots him. Okay, then... Frank, just to clarify, Frank is their hitman, not Frank Cosgrove Jr. Or Frank oh, Cosgrove. Frank, what was his last name? Jackson? Jackson with the dog. Yeah. So then Frank sees him on the casino. Wendy um, drives him away and tries to take him to Tennessee. And, 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 and so all those things happened. Well, all those things could have been ways that he could have been safe. For so long. Well, you also, so in between him going to Darlene's house, as soon as he gets out of the mental institution, he goes immediately to Helen's and tells her off. Right, 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 right. After that moment, when he gets out of that mental institution, because once he was away in the mental institution, Helen was like, okay, he's going to cool off. He's kind of under control there. As soon as he gets out, tells her off, and then tells her daughter what she does for a living, we know Ben is dead. We're like, all right, dead, done, goodbye. Right. The hit is put on Ben, and the birds try everything in their power to protect him. Wendy and Ben try to flee, and Wendy, while they're fleeing, is constantly asking, where can I take you? Where can I take you? Then we get to more of Ben shooting himself in the foot because they are in the Walmart, or whatever they call it, and rats himself out to the cops. Then he buys his own burner phone and calls Helen on the burner phone like an absolute idiot, and that's his nail in the coffin. So... Wendy winds up leaving Ben at a restaurant on the side of the road, and we see the hitman go into the restaurant, and we're and then next thing we see is Ben's body being returned to the birds. His well, that's bo- how that was the beginning of the next season. So there was a I'm sorry, not season. That was the beginning of the next episode. There was an episode split there. I think. Yeah, there is. So his body is brought back, and Ruth is pissed at this point. She is done with the birds. 
They've really just treated her poorly and she's done with them. She got her ass kicked by Frank Jr. and they did nothing about it. And then her boyfriend winds up dead. So she- I think she's particularly done with Wendy. Yeah. Because Wendy was the one who made the call for the, her for her father. Mm-hmm. She was the one who set the whole thing up. Yep. Then she was also the one who made the call about her brother. Mm-hmm. I she knows that. I think she knows by now that Marty kind of. Sta- I don't think that she likes Marty because of the fact that he's like kind of like chicken shit. Like doesn't get involved with these kinds of things. But I yeah. think she's directly upset with Wendy because Wendy is like the biggest cause of all of these problems. Yep, I agree. Yep, hundred percent. Okay, cool. So uh, I, I watched this a lot, and I thought it was like, is it me? Am I thinking this? Is somebody else also thinking this thing that I think? Because Wendy is an awful person. Yeah. She's a terrible human being. And, like, she realizes it at this point. I mean, yeah, that's why she sat and drank herself in the uh, the parking lot and just drank a lot of vodka. So yeah. this whole Ben incident has left a really bad taste in Helen's mouth. And she begins at the end, at the season finale to make a play for the bird's position and she starts to tell omar navarro that she doesn't think they're fit to run the casinos and then we see the kids wind up in the uh navarro's kids wind up in the u.s because they're safer there because a lot of stuff is happening with the civil war going on um what else do you want me to say here (laughs) how much further do you want me to go um no i mean you can the climax i think really i mean ben is this season Ben is the big, Ben is the cause of the problem in this, in this entire season. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, his death is essentially the, I mean, like you're sitting on the edge of your seat at the end of episode, what, eight Uh, or nine? Seven. Wait, no, eight, eight, eight is when they're running around. I think he dies in eight and you see his body in nine. Yeah. I mean, so that's really like the part of the climax. But like I said in the in the summary, she tries to take the position away to get her name on the casino license, and we're thinking that well, Mar- Wendy thinks that they're definitely going to die. So we assume that Navarro is closer with Helen because he ge- he gave her his kids to take. You know, so Wendy's trying to figure out how they could be closer to Navarro. They call and she's like, "By the way." I killed my brother for you. Yeah. Um, You know, telling Marty we could watch his kids, like whatever she can to like get close to him. So they pretty much think that it's only a matter of time before they actually end up dying. Then they get on this plane because Navarro is having, he wants his kids flown back to Mexico for, I think a second baptism. He wants to like, I want to do another baptism. Hey, no one questioned that at all. You get baptized once. The first baptism got shot out. Everyone died at the first one. The priest died before they gave the final blessing. Oh, my God. I thought he meant the kids in... Um... No, the baby. Because the oh. baby wound up pinned under the priest. Duh. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. That's absolutely right. For a moment, I thought that he was bringing the kids back to baptize them again. And I was like, "Those are a red flag, right? No, he That's... wanted a redo from the first one. Right, right, right. That makes more sense. So he brings them all back. They get on the plane. It's Frank, Wendy... Helen and Marty. I think it's just the four of them on the plane. And the kids. And the kids. And the kids. So the kids are in the back with Frank. They're all kind of sitting there. At this point, Helen's also spooked because... Sorry, could I interrupt you really quick? Yeah. So Marty gets the phone call from Maya saying that 
Helen knows that the feds are trying to get Marty to work on the inside and rat out their bosses. So when he was getting on the plane to Mexico, that was kind of more of like, oh, we gonna die type deal. Like she was right. like, Marty, don't get on that plane. And he's kind of like, I can't do anything about it now. Big, uh, big gun is behind me. I can't make a run for it. Right. Because he would have just, I don't know if he would have gunned them down. He probably would have like shot their feet and then dragged them on the plane. Because I don't think hitmen like do the thing unless they're told to do the thing. That's true. So something bad would have happened for sure. Yeah. I th- and, and, you know, Wendy had kind of been signaling it the entire time that something bad was going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, thank you so much for having us. He said, I, I, you must be tired from your trip. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> right? He puts a bullet through Helen's head. I rewinded this and watched it five times. Five times because I was looking for the Easter eggs in the episode. And I could not figure out how those Easter eggs led to this season finale. Yeah. Okay. So apparently Frank got the order off screen because I went back and I looked to see how Frank could have gotten the order. We don't see Frank getting the order. He blasts Helen in the head. Navarro brings a blood-covered Marty and Wendy in for a group hug and says it's a new beginning. I will say, as far as endings go, this was probably the most unexpected for me, and it does get me very excited for season four. I agree. The only foreshadowing that I was really going to bring up is the fact that, you know, Wendy just kept saying that we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. So, like... I guess you assume that somebody's going to die at the end of the season. You Mm -hmm. just think it's them. But I went back and tried to figure out the foreshadowing events that could have led to this. And I don't think that there were any. Did you see any? No, I didn't see any. I did. I did not expect Helen to die at all. No, I'm really hoping that at the beginning of season four, they explain this. I do want to mention one more thing that happens um, just very quickly, and I think that this will come up in season four as well, is that Ruth starts working for Darlene because Darlene was the only one to stand up to Frank Cosgrove by shooting him in the private region. And then she makes a play to, I'm sorry, this was Frank Cosgrove Jr. She then proposes to Frank Cosgrove to help move her product moving her away completely from the Navarro cartel. So that's going to be, that's going to continue and come up in the next season. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that there's going to just be like a big old war here. Yeah. You get two civil wars. What's better than one civil war? Two. No. <laughs> the fun will never stop. The fun will never stop. So as far as the ratings go, we set our ratings for them last week. I, I, it's going to be the same because yeah, not much has changed. Um, but in season three, the highest ranked episode is the finality. 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 Uh, okay. The finale uh, episode ten, all in. It was rated a nine point five out of ten. Yeah, I saw that. That's really high rating. So yeah, and and then the one right before that was a nine point four, which is episode nine, which is Fire Pink. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Season three, the critics gave it a 97% and the audience gave it a 93%. So at this point, people are rating Ozark season three highest out of the all three seasons. Interesting, because you said that you enjoyed the second season the best. I did. I feel like I don't like when Marty and Wendy don't work together and this episode everyone wanted to try and go and do their own things and like marty had to listen in to uh her phone calls and just like be creepy and i just i didn't like it that much i know i think um you're you're right season two definitely has just a a bigger sense of camaraderie yeah even with helen involved with the Basically, the only camaraderie that's not involved is Charlotte because she's trying to get emancipated, oh but everybody God. else is on the same page. Yeah. I'm, I'm making fun of you uh, uh, crapping on Charlotte. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so did we want to do reviews again? I have a season three review. Okay, you go first. Okay, so this was a four star review. It says, good season, not as good as the others, but still good contagious viewing as you are invested in the characters since season one. But Netflix ending this so early just makes me not want to watch any of their shows as they have no staying power. How can you tell a story if you know Netflix will always end you so quickly? I would like you to know that this person does not know how to use periods. These are all commas. So it's just one long run on sentence. This season... I would regard as more of a filler for better things to come, but we will never get to see it. One last season, that's it. I feel cheated. <laughs> so I think I think part of it could be Netflix, but I think the other part of it is, and, and I can appreciate this. I don't like it, but I can appreciate it. And the example that I'll use is The Good Place because there are many times when a story is told and that's it Mm -hmm. so the point of creating the show or the series or the story or the book whatever the hell it is is to tell that story no matter how high the ratings are because essentially once that story is done a lot of times everybody can tell yeah okay so if if you were to ask me you know when my friends and i found out at the end of season three that the good place i think they tweeted and somebody sent it in a group message chat on twitter um, that they kind of, they announced that they were only going to do four seasons because they told the story mm-hmm. and the story was told and they didn't want to add to it. And I can appreciate that because if you add to the story to try to create something else, it, the substance might not be there. The character yeah. arts might not be there. There might not be the same level of a roller coaster ride or a laugh factor or a surprise factor, you know, depending on the genre. So I can appreciate that. The only show that I really think two shows, three shows that really did it were um, Seinfeld, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I'm going to get heat for this, but I will, you will all catch these hands. The Office. Okay. The Office, a lot of people think that The Office should have ended when Steve Carell left. I still thought it was funny. I think that along with them telling the story and then running out of things to say, I think that when you keep a show on for too long, characters turn into just harsher and harsher versions of themselves where okay. they're no they lose the essence of what they were and then they just become like 
a stereotypical version of themselves. I'm thinking more specifically of Friends. If you watch like a Joey yeah. Tribbiani, a Phoebe in season one, Chandler in season one, and then you flash forward to like season six, season seven, Joey's an idiot, Phoebe's a ditz, and then Chandler's just, can I be? It's just like they just, they run out of things for the characters, so then they just kind of recycle and just make them harsher versions of themselves, and they lose a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? I think there has to be a perfect balance of you creating a not plot, not scenery, um, a shell, if you will. Yeah. Right. Like an apartment in New York, like an office, like something along those lines where it's not a, like breaking bit, a man selling Chris, making crystal meth, um, who's dying of cancer. That's clearly not sustainable. Right. But if you pick a shell that can go on forever and then continue to tell stories that fit in that shell, then you're not recycling things. Yeah. But well, I, you know, this is, they, they constantly tell you in the show, this is not sustainable. It's yeah. almost like they're saying like, hey, we can't make this show forever. Yeah. You, I mean, you can't recycle anything here. It's, it's going to be the, it, the, right now they're doing a really good thing in not making the show formulaic, especially with season three, when they played around with the episode like three hours ago, three days ago, one week ago, mm-hmm. like that came out of nowhere. The only thing that's formulaic are the Easter eggs, but sometimes they don't always show up in order. Sometimes they don't even lead to the end of the episode. Like they don't lead up to what happens in the end of the episode. Sometimes they're just things that are happening. It's not formulaic right now. And that's what's so good. That's what's making it not SVU. Yeah, I agree. You know, so I, I don't know how long you can do that and also tell a dramatic story with character arcs and development (laughs) no i agree 100 percent. it's also really interesting you mentioned breaking bad because i i have never watched all of breaking bad but this reminds me a lot of breaking bad of what i have watched but it also weirdly reminds me of weeds and i know that like weeds went on for too long and people are like what the hell is going on in the show so same situation i don't agree with this review i don't feel cheated about only getting one more season left the look on Marty and Wendy's face at the end of this season, it's like, what What are we going to do? So it's really like, are they going to get out of this alive or are they going to get killed? We're going to have to find out next season. I agree with you. That look kind of says like, we and, and again, they left Dropless in season three of, I can't do this anymore. We can't do this anymore. We should have run away. And then the looks at the end of season three, it's like, okay, I assume that season four, they're going to play the game until they can get the hell out. Mm -hmm. So, but we'll see. My review for season three um, was a 10 out of 10. It's not often that a TV series of the quality of Ozarks can sustain the high level through multiple series. Well done to Bateman and his crew. They've smashed it out of the park with season three. What a roller coaster. Can't wait for season four. Please don't be long. Well, my friend, clearly you don't know of a thing called COVID because this was written in March. March when? March 30th. So that was when we were like, eh, well, well, we're probably coming out of the water now. Yeah, LOL. <laughs> Hysterical. Uh, so as far as the the highs and lows, mm-hmm. I just want to take a moment to like talk about Ben's death. Okay. As a high. Okay. If you'll notice, the two people 
that are the most loving in the show, you don't see them die. The therapist mm-hmm. who was taking bribes but genuinely wanted to help Marty and Wendy. And then Ben, who is basically at the end, he looked like a lost puppy dog. Yeah. When he walks out of that restaurant and Frank walks up to him and then it just cuts. Mm-hmm. And it was more, less is more, right? I just felt like that was enough. I didn't need to see him get shot. We all knew it was coming. Yes. There are so many times that you can, you know, mess up or not listen or like incorrectly trust your gut. But I like the fact that they kind of created that because it kind of like smacked us in the face. Like, hey, this is obviously going to happen, but we're not going to let you know when it does. And then I also like how it was everybody's fault. This was a ticking time bomb, but it was everybody's fault. Because if you were to play this out perfectly, he would have done what he did. He would have went to the state hospital. And then maybe after a year, they would have, you know, or after a certain amount of time, the Burrs would have talked to Ruth. Ruth would have talked to Darlene and had him transferred from this facility to a private facility where he could have leveled out his drugs. And then when all of this kind of faded away, he could come out and be stabilized. Like there was clearly a way that this could have been played out. Yeah he would have been fine and the whole family would have been able to move on Mm -hmm. but because because wendy made the call because marty didn't want to get involved um because ruth got him out and didn't really listen or know what was best for him because she just started like dealing with him and didn't know how he acts without his meds um because uh you know helen obviously said like this needs to happen like it was all of their fault it, and and but like everybody was kind of pointing fingers but when you take a step back and look at it like i digested it this morning i think when i was driving i was like oh that's interesting everybody could take blame in this yeah but nobody is admitting that it's everybody's fault mm-hmm. but as the viewer i can see that all hands were on deck yeah. in, into this murder I liked in that moment that when Wendy drove away, you didn't know if Wendy made the call or not. And then you find out in season nine, she's like, no, I made that call. And it's and then that's why she was just like so heartbroken and messed up about it because she did love her brother. She said that he was one of her favorite people. But at that point, there was nothing else that she could have done for him. I mean, the only other thing that I could think of is if he, she left him there and then she, you know, drove, said, you know, I was driving on the highway and he jumped out of the car or something or he ran away. That was the only other way that she could have protected him, but she would have had to leave him alone. I mean, there was no other way. I mean, the thing is you leave him alone, then he has to run in fear himself for how long until Frank found him because they were going to find him no matter what. I think eventually, but that might have taken some time. But I think the way that, that he... How- a, yeah, but that's the point. Instead, Wendy called them and she made it short and sweet. Like, she didn't let him run around and suffer and live in this fear of when am I going to get killed, like, looking behind his shoulder all the time. I know, but I don't... I, I just don't... I. To, you could look at it that way, but I'm having a hard time looking at it like, oh, I did him a favor. That broke my heart. That really broke my heart. I was sitting there and I was looking at that sad puppy dog and I was like, oh my God. Like we knew it was coming. We knew this was happening. We, we, they set you up to know this is the end. And I'm just like, 
as actually as I was watching it, I was really hoping that they wouldn't show it on the screen. I'm glad they didn't either, and I I agree with you 100% because one of my highs is that I really do ship Ben and Ruth. Like, I love Ruth. I've really liked Ruth as a character throughout all these seasons, and when they finally gave her a love interest, I was like, ooh, yay, Ruth gets a love interest. Good. This girl needs something good in her life, and then here we are at the end of season three. But I think they set that up perfectly because Ruth has lost everything. Mm-hmm life and in one way shape or form the birds have been involved whether it's directly or indirectly so it's a perfect setup for her to totally you know she she said at first like i'm not working for anyone for a little while she was thinking about working with helen then she went to darlene but it's a perfect setup for her to just totally abandon them because you know i think she appreciates everything that marty does i mean she said that but i just don't think that she can deal with wendy because Wendy is a lot of the reason as to why this happened. That's very true. Did you have but, a low? Yeah. I don't like how some things didn't carry over as nicely into season three. Mm-hmm. Um, the only example I have is Charlotte emancipating herself. They didn't like really resolve that. They were just like, you wanted to leave the family. And she's like, but I came back. And it's like, thanks for telling me in season three, episode seven, maybe. Yeah. It was just like one conversation. I needed to know, did they pay off the lawyer? Did they have a conversation? Like, I, I don't know. It just it was like, by the way, this. this they all had to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about it. Everybody, sometimes you just have to have a cup of coffee. It's perfectly fine to just sit down and have a cup of coffee. I don't understand why people don't do it more. You know? Oh, that's Except true. when Helen and Ben went to have a cup of coffee. That did not end as nicely. No, it didn't. <laughs> I don't know if you caught this, but... Maybe it was season, no, it was season two, because I think Helen was introduced in season two. She says to Frank, if you ever get the call, you'll let me know, right? And Frank goes, of course. Yeah. And I tried to play it back to see if Frank, like, took up his phone at any point to, like, try to call her. Yeah. Don't think that he did. I think he kind of abandoned that thing. And and that was kind of weird to me. Like, I get that he's loyal and stuff. But, like, I mean, she went through the the freaking, the water torture, the waterboarding. So if she knew that it was going to come to this, she knew. I mean, I don't think that she was going to try to run. I think Helen would have known what was coming and would have just tried to protect her family. I don't know. I can't get into the mind of a an assassin. I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. Probably best to stay out of the mind of an assassin. That's true, because we see what happens when a therapist tries to psychoanalyze him. Oh, my. Also, like, that, it was very interesting the way that that was set up. But also, like, why would you say anything at all? Anything at all, though? I don't even know. Can I tell you my one, though? Yes. Okay. So I was watching the show with Nicholas. I was watching this episode and I'm watching Darlene and Wyatt on the screen. And I see and I'm like, hmm, this is kind of being framed weird. And I felt the need to tell Nicholas that I was on Instagram trying to find content for our, our Instagram page. And I was finding a bunch of memes that shipped Roman and Jerry for succession and I felt the need to tell him that and as soon as that came out of my mouth that people were liked the idea of Roman and Jerry then Wyatt and Darlene are making out on my television screen and I am like what is going on I what would, what did would Jacob say 
What would Jacob say? I'll I did not. Tell you, darling. <laughs> I did not need to see that. That did not need to happen. That's a big low for me. I don't. I don't need that. I, I I don't get this whole. It's almost like why? Well, so she's slowly brainwashing everybody against the birds. Is what essentially what she's doing, one I, by one. She's picking this family, and just trying to pin them against the birds. And she started with Wyatt, and then she's moving on to Ruth. And then I think if Wyatt and Ruth are there, then three will come on board, and they're just gonna. I just, just wanted Wyatt and Charlotte to be together, and then he has to make out with Darlene. It doesn't make any sense. I, I hate it. I, I really thought that they would have been together as well. And you know what else I thought? I really thought that Ruth and Frank Jr., I thought that was going to be... I thought that too. At the beginning of season three, I'm like, oh, she's throwing him off the boat. She must like him. You know, that like that like preschool mentality where it's like, I'm going to smack this girl because I think she's cute. Like, yeah. But it, that did not turn out to be the case. I did get that vibe. But, well, he's not pleasing anyone anymore because. <laughs> good at that. I will say I don't like Darlene, but I did like that moment a lot. Yeah, that was good. I uh, I really thought that she was going to kill him, but she didn't kill him. I thought she was too, but that was kind of even better. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then she was like, here's a drug deal to make up for your son. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry you can't have grandkids, but here you go. Uh, Anyways. Snack, snack break. break. For a snack. Yeah. What did you have? I I just made a, the recommendation of more wine. If you're sensitive to caffeine, I would stay away from all things that have caffeine when you watch the show, especially because season three had me season two too had me at like this constant level of anxiety mm-hmm. like not um oh my god oh my god oh my god but you know somewhere between normal and that yeah and then when things started to happen you really it starts to just increase and then it's very slow in the decrease so i would pick something that kind of like winds you down so like maybe like one or a cup of green tea, or like a matcha tea, maybe, because there's not as much caffeine in them. Yeah. I, because it's gotten colder here in New Jersey, I've been making soup, so lots of lots of soup during this uh, watching Ozark. What kind of soup? Chicken soup. Mm. Chicken soup for the stressed out soul. <laughs> I made butternut squash soup. Ooh, and you didn't bring me any? What the heck? Sorry. What the heck? I took, so my mom had a butternut squash, and I put it in the crock pot. Shocker. I know. I took chicken broth. I cut up the squash, and I put it in. And then I had potatoes, onions, and carrots, and I threw everything in. And then I threw in, like, salt and pepper to taste. And I cooked it for, like, on low for six hours, but I didn't put it in the blender. So okay. it wasn't just a creamy soup. It was, like, chunky creamy because the the butternut squash was kind of like disintegrating in it mm-hmm. but it also had like chunks of vegetables in it it was pretty good i prefer a chunkier soup the chicken soup that i make it has chicken thighs carrots celery onions and then i do potatoes instead of noodles mm-hmm. and i keep the potato chunks really really big so and i keep the chicken chunks really big too so just lots of lots of chunks Sorry, sorry for saying chunks so many times in this podcast. (laughs) Um, And then I, oh yeah, I also threw in like cinnamon and nutmeg Mm. to make it like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. I have to do that again. 
Um, as far as my expectation goes, I think I thought that this season would have them more directly in contact with the Navarro cartel. Um, but I think that's going to happen in season four. Yeah, I agree with that. I was very interested to see how they were going to deal with the bomb that Wendy dropped in season two. Um, there were a lot of things I was not expecting. I was not expecting Marty to get reported, aka wind up in Mexico with the music blaring and eating bugs. Like, that was straight out of the report. I was not expecting the whole Ben story to wind up. I wasn't expecting Wyatt and Darlene to get together. I wasn't expecting the ending like that. There were a lot of things I was not expecting. I was completely happy with the way that it turned out. I'm very excited to see how season four finishes the show up. I know. So I my IRL moment... Okay, let me explain. When Jason Bateman, Marty Bird is going through his therapist's home after she's already been killed. Mm-hmm. Okay. He starts to look through, th- and if you'll notice, he touches everything that Frank touched except without gloves. Yep. It's very important because you see Frank in the previous episode doing everything with black rubber gloves on. Marty does almost the exact same things, but with his bare hands, right? Then he pulls out her appointment book, and he looks through the appointment book, and he sees that Frank Jackson came for an appointment and then he flips the page over and he sees that Helen Pierce was there the day before. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then nothing after that. Okay. Um, so there's that. Then he takes his sleeve. Yes. He rolls it and starts to rub down everything from that moment on. Now, I don't know if you remember horrible bosses. I, I feel like if I watched that, I was not paying attention to it. That movie is so good. I That is like one of my favorite comedies, modern day comedies. It is so underrated. I can't even begin to explain to you how hilarious that movie is. You mentioned this in the last episode. You but sung your praises for Horrible Boss. Bosses. But here's why it's important, right? Because you have this moment in Horrible Bosses where they spill the cocaine they're in his, one of the, I forget, I think they're in Kevin Spacey's home. No, 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 Colin Farrell's home. I forget whose boss that is. They're in his home, they accidentally spill the cocaine, but they're also trying to look for stuff to, like, convict him of, like, murder. So Charlie Day and Jason Sudeikis have long sleeves on. Jason Bateman has a short sleeve shirt on. So they're walking around with their, their sleeves on their hands, and they're like, sleeve gloves. And they start touching everything with their hands, and then... Charlie, I think it's one of them turns to Jason Bateman and they're like, do the thing, man. And he's like, well, I don't have sleeve gloves. Let me tell you, that's exactly what I thought of when I watched him put on his sleeve gloves. I don't know if it was a callback to that, but that was the only thing that popped in my head. I was like, sleeve gloves. I don't have sleeve gloves. Now you do, Jason Bateman. Now you have your sleeve gloves. Ten years later. (laughs) That was ten years ago that that movie came out? in 2011 if i'm not mistaken oh wow that's crazy i can look it up what was your irl moment so i mean okay after ben dies wendy winds up in the parking lot of a warner mart just drinking slug and vodka all day kind of just living her life depending on how this election goes because we're we're recording this on tuesday that's probably going to be me catch Uh, catch me in the parking lot (laughs) drinking vodka all day (laughs) More like catch me in my apartment drinking wine. I actually do have a glass of wine over here. 
I'm going to pour myself a glass. I just bought a bottle of Cabernet. Cabsav? Yes. Ooh, look at you. No, I'm very excited. Um, yes, uh, Horrible Bosses came out in 2011. Wow. What a year. I know. It was so much nicer back then. <laughs> we thought life was rough back then. We were just young. We didn't know. We were in college. I know. Uh, yeah, we were. You, yes. We don't need to, like, totally date ourselves. We can just say that we were in college. <laughs> we were both in college, yes. <laughs> All right, we did it. We're finally done with... <laughs> Ozark. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, you know where to find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey It's Two Girls. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Cena. You can find Danielle solely on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. Send us an email. I want to know if anybody else thought of sleeve gloves. So email us and let us know at Two Girls Watch TV at gmail.com. Two is spelled out T W O. Check out the uh, YouTube channel. We have all of your seasonal faves happening now. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Happy November. Happy November, everyone. Bye. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. What's up?